0: on racing the tri-state's number one motorsports talk show today's program is brought to you in part by our marketing partners recognized by the eastern motorsports press association as one of the top racing shows in the eastern united states here's rapping on racing
1: this is the banker bob thought you know there's a fine line between fishing and just standing on the shore looking like an idiot. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Tyler Harrison. Welcome to an offseason report for Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway right here on Wrappin' on Racing. On this episode, we have an in-depth interview with Stephen Sheltman, a multiple-time winner and track champion who is using this offseason for some major changes to his racing program. I'm excited for you all to hear what his plans are. Before we get to that interview, let's talk about some news regarding PPMS. Not a whole lot of new information on the forefront, but some exciting news that we can share is that Dirt's Monster Half Mile will be represented at the 62nd Annual Max Motive Ward of Wheels Autorama at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh. We plan to have a good showing and a good variety of cars and drivers representing our speedway, information about the track, and one of, if not the most interactive booths at the car show. If any driver who has competed at the Speedway in 2022 or in years prior are interested in having their car on display, please reach out to me personally on Facebook or contact the track website or Facebook page. Additional information for this event can be found at Autorama.com. The Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series and Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway have confirmed the 35th annual Pittsburgher presented by Big River Steel on Saturday, September the 30th. The tradition continues after last year's rainout due to the remnants of Hurricane Ian. We are thrilled to have Big River Steel on board to help boost this event with an astounding $30,000-to-win payday, and we can't thank all those involved enough for making it happen. This event continues to amplify each year, especially with the involvement of the Havas Auto and Truck Supply Rush Late Model Series presented by Born to Run Lubricants. The Bill Hendren Memorial has become not only a staple of the weekend, but of the entire Rush Touring Series schedule. This memorial event paid 10000 to win last season following a 50-lap feature event, postering itself as one of the most prolific races on the Touring Series schedule. Other dates are starting to pile in for the 2023 racing season, and we hope to have a tentative schedule posted here in the near future. Be sure to stay up to date with all things PPMS by following our social media channels. That's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway on Facebook and at PA Motor Speedway on Twitter. And, of course, our website, ppms.com, has you covered for results, point standings, history, and much more. That's all in terms of news, but before we get to that interview with Stephen Sheltman, a word from our sponsors. Reporting for Rapid on Racing, I'm Tyler Harris.
2: Every day when they open the doors at Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, their goal is to provide great customer service by offering affordable automotive and truck repair service performed by highly trained technicians at the highest industry standard. When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin Truck and
0: Automotive in South Heights. At Alternative Power Sources, they have always understood that your generator needs are never one size fits all. They are still the local generator company you have come to know and trust but with expanded resources and expertise as a subsidiary of Curtis Power Solutions Company, part of the Indel Power Group. As a Curtis Power Solutions Company, they offer quality brands such as MTU, Kohler, Southeastern Power Products, and Yamaha Generators. They bring more experience for working on complex projects such as engineering and design services for data centers and healthcare facilities. At the same time, they continue to service all brands of standby generators, Also, don't forget to ask about their rentals for your next event or power emergency. If you have a project, Alternative Power Sources has a solution. Contact them today at 1-800-894-4455. That's 1-800-894-4455. I would like to take a minute to thank our marketing partners. Curtis Power Solutions pittsburgh's pennsylvania motor speedway alternative power sources zarin truck and automotive rps financial solutions and jennerstein speedway without these people rapping on racing would not be possible
1: stand on it come on man stand Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into Rapid on Racing. Right now, I am joined by Steven Sheltman, driver out of Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. I was going to say the division, but uh, that's still kind of up in the air, and we're going to talk about that a little bit here. But this gentleman next to me has four track championships at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, one at the Motor Drome Speedway, rest in peace, and one at Jennerstown Speedway, so six-time track champion. He joins us now at Rapid on Racing. Stephen, welcome on in. How are you?
3: Good. Uh, how are you, Tyler?
1: Oh. It's the off season, buddy, even though it's uh, even though it's the off season, people like to think that uh, things kind of calm down and, and they kind of do. But for a lot of us, it it just does not.
3: And it's actually busier now than it is during the race season, believe it or not.
1: I can certainly believe that, especially the off season that you've been having, and we'll touch on that here in a little bit. So, before we get into uh, the the meat of what's going on here, let's go ahead and review your 2022 season. It started off pretty hot for you by you going down for your second ever trip to the Bristol Dirt Nationals. Talk to us about Bristol. How was that for you?
3: Uh, Bristol was kind of like a once in a lifetime experience. Actually, I was I was hearing they weren't really gonna, they may not be doing it this year. So I definitely wanted to do it this past year and uh i went down there with the expectation of just you know making laps and having fun and with about 100 and something cars in the division i was in and seeing how high dollar and brand new these cars are i really didn't expect to make the show but i made it down to the final 24 out of 100 and something cars and made the main show and i was up to 11 i think 11th and the motor got cooked so i had to pull in but I was pretty happy with the, my progress up until then.
1: The interesting thing is, is last year you went down or yeah, 2021, you went down and you described it to me like you took a knife to a gunfight. Was it the same story for you this past year?
3: I mean, kind of like, uh, something like a couple of guys I talked to, uh, and actually Kellen Gill talked to him too. Uh, they had their street, they're called CRUSA USA street stocks and they, uh, they're, Roll just a rolling chassis, was about forty thousand dollars, and a lot of them are built by Bobby Pierce, who drives a touring super late model. Him and his dad were building the car, so it's like you're going down these guys bragging about how much they spend on their cars. And we have old, like 2001 motor drum charger cars, and it's kind of cool to beat a couple of those guys in the last chance qualifier and actually make the main show.
1: Well, I'd say it worked out pretty well for you overall, and if, if you're happy, that's really all that matters. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about the 2022 season that you had. Uh, pretty much a part-time year for you this past year, but uh, even with that being said, you still managed to pick up a win at Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, talk to me about what your thoughts are were on this past season.
3: Yeah, this past year is kind of quiet. I mean, uh, I, I points race for as many years as I can remember. And it, it, it gets kind of tiring and be- between points racing all those years and preparing for Bristol, it was like it was a constant battle and a fight for like over two years working on the car every single day during the race season and off. And between just getting burnt out with that and with the military stuff, it was kind of hard to race every week. So once that all stuff kind of got in the way, it was almost like a refresher to where, like, hey, there's literally no chance for you to even make a run for the points. So just kind of take it easy and see where it goes. And that's kind of how the hobby stock went up for sale. I figured put it up for sale. If it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, keep racing it. And I was actually in Florida and that's when uh, Ben and Mike ref, they were down at their garage drinking. So see how that started this whole thing but uh they messaged me and they're like uh hey you want to you want to sell that car i was like yeah it's for sale so i sold the car and i wasn't even in the same state to deliver it to them but i sold the car and that's kind of what made my season a little bit quieter they're not really running every week but it all turned out way better than i ever thought it would in the end
1: Let's go ahead and backtrack just a little bit. You mentioned Army. And uh, for those of you who don't know what's going on there, uh, mention to the folks at home uh, your involvement in our military.
3: I'm in the Army Reserve. I've been in since 2017, but uh, I get out this June. And normally how it goes is the last month or two, you don't have to go. So it looks like uh, my days of the Army interfering with racing are over
1: so you you joined back in 2017 so pretty much five years now you've been having to kind of balance racing and and trying to take weekends off from from you know reserves and trying to make it to the racetrack especially with points racing i can imagine that'd be a pretty big uh i I hate to say with military being involved but a hamper if you will
3: yeah it was it was a little bit of a hamper but it was one of them things where i knew it was a commitment i made so if it didn't work out uh it is what it is but uh my old unit was actually in new kensington right across the street from your old house so uh it's about what 35 minutes from the track 40 depending on the traffic and normally on drill weekends i would go up to the the first sergeant the guy i was pretty close with him i mean in the military and out of it as professional as it could be and i was just like hey you know uh hot lap start at six, when are we going to be done? And uh, <laughs> he would he would always find a way to make sure things got done to where I could get out in time and make it. So I was pretty thankful for that. And uh, that's honestly how the last two championships, I was able to wrap them up and actually compete for them because they were kind enough to realize how important that was to me and let me get out and make it happen.
1: So you mentioned championships, and initially, whenever you uh, had sold your car, the my thought or my perception was that you sold your car, uh, the car that you had won all those championships in here, you actually sold, you have two cars, yourself, your car that you won all those championships in, and then also the car that your dad raced for a long time, Ed Sheltman. Uh, and you, you mentioned that car that you just sold. Uh, so that was the car that you sold was actually your dad's car, correct?
3: Yeah, that was my dad's, Mike. My- my car uh i think if you came up to me with an uh, open blank check and asked me how much it would cost to sell it uh i'd I'd tell you you don't have enough money because uh for me to sell that car i don't think it would ever happen to me just all all the years that i struggled in racing in the beginning never would have thought getting six championships in a row between dirt and asphalt and 52 wins with that car and uh that yeah that car's uh i'm gonna get buried in that car one day whenever whenever that time comes whether it's now 50 years from now i told my dad if he's still around i uh, said uh, something never happens to me i want buried in that car so uh, i'm actually gonna put that car back together and i'm gonna let my dad run a couple races in it he's he's getting up there and with running the company and everything it's uh it's a hindrance for us to get all these cars ready and all that stuff because you know business comes first and I, I totally understand that but he's still got a little bit of it in him so I'm gonna try and get him uh, out a couple times this coming season too
1: so you mentioned your company uh, for the folks at home what what is it that you guys do
3: uh, my dad bought, bought purchased Keystone Coach Works. it's in Bethel Park he bought that October of 2019 it's a mobility company. So we sell, uh, handicapped wheelchair vans. We build uh, nine passenger school student vans. Uh, kitchen, we do kitchen trucks for Salvation Army, uh, do police, uh, police cars here and there, but a lot of, I'd say 75, 80% of the business is, uh, adaptive equipment for handicapped people so they can still drive and be mobile in a vehicle.
1: Now you, you talk about that car and, and you getting that car put back together for your dad to race. Initially, I think the plan was to put a new, a different rear end in it and go back to asphalt racing. Um, it, it seems like your plans are always changing and we'll get into why that is in a little bit too, but this is just one of those little things. Uh, is that still the plan is to take that car asphalt racing or what? Oh, no,
3: that was, that was, that was just uh that was one of my, uh, big spoon stir the pot moments. Uh, once you, once you go dirt, you never go back to asphalt. Uh, that was just, uh, just a mess with everyone on Facebook. You know how I like to do that. But uh, now I sold I sold the rear end in that car just because I figured, no, I'm going to try and get as m- much money as I can to do what I'm doing right now. And then it, it kind of came full circle to where I decided I probably shouldn't have sold the rear end out of that car. So I actually went and bought the exact same rear end <laughs> that I had in the car. So... I'm putting the Ford Nine inch floater back in it. But uh, the rear end that was in it was just uh one to keep the car rolling around that Tom Anton let me borrow. So uh gotta give him his old asphalt rear end back and uh gonna get it ready for dirt again so my dad can turn a few laps
1: while I'm there. Talk about stirring the pot. Here's another pot stirrer that you came up with throughout the season. Uh, all of a sudden on Facebook, you see a $20,000 roller go up for sale. And I'm thinking to myself, why on God's green earth, am I seeing a $20,000 rolling chassis for a hobby stock, uh, on Facebook right now? And here you are, you, it's for sale. Then it's, it's purchased. Somebody bought it and here it's purchased for a dollar by your father. And, uh, yeah. so why, what's, what's the story with the, with the roller chassis?
3: Well, it was, a when I went down to Bristol, Bristol, the first year, that was, a uh, uh, a lot of people probably know the guys, uh, Damon, Dallin, Murdy, they win basically everything under the sun in the stock cars out West. And, uh, I went up to Kyle Brown who owns Harris auto racing and I gave him a deposit and I said, Hey, I want one of your cars. Here's a deposit. And, uh, I was going to basically build that car for Bristol. And then the more I started thinking about it, it was like, you know, Bristol is probably not going to be a permanent thing. And it was kind of, probably kind of silly to build a car just to go down there once a year. So I put it up and uh, people started giving me the old tire kicker routine and I kind of just got tired of it and told my dad, I'm like, you know what? I might as well just sell this car as a dollar to you just to make it go away. And uh, it was kind of a joke that turned into almost a somewhat serious thing. And then uh, later down the road, some guy was looking for a complete sellout and I ended up selling it for more than that. So it kind of worked out in my favor.
1: Talking about cars that race at Pittsburgh now, let's go back to the car that you actually sold, uh, your father's car. And you had mentioned that uh, it started basically with a uh, conversation in a garage involving a couple of adult beverages and. Uh, it turns out Ben Laboon is looking for a car for his daughter, Emmy Laboon, who was one of the brightest stars of the young guns division this past year. And she decides, and he decides that let's go ahead and, and move to a new division. Let's go ahead and get into the hobby stocks. They decide to purchase that car off of you. Uh, besides that initial conversation and how that got started, talk to us about how that transaction happened and and how that transition happened. You said you weren't even in, in the state to make that happen, but, um, what was that like watching that car go and inevitably becoming a higher driver for a couple of times throughout the season?
3: Yeah, honestly, I was, I was down in Florida for my two week thing with the military and, uh, it was like probably about eight o'clock at night. I mean, it was still like hundred and something degrees down there. I'm sweating my butt off. And then I get a Snapchat from Mike and I didn't really think anything of it because him and I Snapchat all the time and text and all that stuff. And he was just like, Hey, uh, do you want to sell your car? I'm like, well, yeah, he goes, I, I forget what i was asking but he he's like hey will you take this much i'm like well who's it for he goes well ben wants to buy it for emmy i'm like well okay deal it's sold i'm like the only problem is i'm not gonna be back for like another week and a half he's like yeah, don't worry about it whenever you get back we'll we'll catch up and all that and uh honestly like selling it to those guys was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was almost like a refresher for my career because it was at the point where I was just like burnt out with all the years. I've full time racing for 13 years. So I was kind of burnt out really. And uh just the friendship and everything I got with Ben and Mike and Jeff and Dave and Newbie and Emmy and everyone down in that group, it kind of just like really gave me the motivation to keep going. And she was running for the points in the young guns, which she ended up winning. And Ben was like, I don't want this car sitting so do you want to drive it until she's ready? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of one of the things where my, my dad goes, you know, only you could sell a car and get the money for it and keep driving it. So I drove it, helped get it figured out for her. And she did pretty well towards the end of the year. And I guess uh, that that leads us into everything else we're doing now. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So the reason for selling that hobby stock, the reason for making all these transactions initially was to go into pro stock racing. And you made a purchase off of, I believe, Tim Bish. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. I, I bought his car and uh, it, it's an awesome car. It's, it, actually, I'm selling that. So if anyone needs a good pro stock, I got one it's a 2021 Pro one It's got like six nights on it. But uh, yeah, I bought that car. It the car's super fast. I mean, when I went out there, I was... I was setting pretty good lap times for never driving a pro stock before and uh, was leading the heat race by a good bit and then blew a rotor so came back in, changed all that I started a half lap down in the heat race because they went green before I could get back out and caught back up to the field and then the following week for the Pittsburgher, uh the motor grenaded in it so uh, kind of sitting there with the pro stock with no motor and going over my auctions and then I was down same people that bought my car with a little bit of adult beverage uh, motivation. Uh, I was down there with them one night at Ben's shop and Michael Norris, the super late model goes up for sale. And I look at him and I said, you know, that's a pretty good price. And that's about the same price as it would cost for a pro stock motor. So I said, why don't I go buy a super late model? He's <laughs> like, let's do it. So Mike and I took a drive, went and bought Michael Norris, the super late model. And, uh, we're going to convert it over to a crate plate and I'm going to give that a shot next year.
1: It's pretty, uh, pretty interesting how things kind of twist and turn. You make your pro stock debut. I believe it was at Lernerville Speedway for the first time. Is that right?
3: Yeah, that was right. And then I did pretty decent up there, but uh, my tire selection kind of hindered the handling and the hood flew off. So that, kind of slowed me down a little bit too, but uh, I mean, it's an awesome car. It's fast. It's just when I looked at how much I'm going to put into a pro stock motor compared to selling the pro stock and buying a crate late, I just figured crate late was always the end game deal, so might as well do
1: it now do it now while you're young and single and able to do it. And that, that quite makes sense. So yeah, you go from pro stock and then boom within. So within a year you go from racing hobby stock part-time to running a pro stock and having that endeavor and now a crate late model. So, as you mentioned your 2023 season a little bit ago, you were mentioning that the you're going to be out of the reserves coming up in June. So two months before that, you really won't have too much involvement. So it looks like for the 2023 season, uh, one year of part-time racing, or maybe even two for that matter, last uh, the previous year in 2021. But now you're getting to a point where are you going to be full-time racing in 2023 with the crate?
3: Mm, I'd like to, but you know, with everything being as expensive as it is, it kind of all hinders on how well i can do and not smashing the car up because uh if you get into a little bit of a fender bender with a late model it's a heck of a lot more expensive than a hobby stock so uh, it all depends on sponsorship and how well i can drive so really it's all up to me
1: the nice thing is i think we're starting to see a lot of people make that transition to rush late model racing in our area in in was there a reason behind that as well besides the end game being a late model? Is it, is a, is it something that the rush late model series is doing that really catches your eye?
3: I just, I I like the idea of having a car and you can literally like, I was talking to Greg Beach who he's drastically improved my racing program the last couple of years. So I want to thank him and give him a shout out for that. But, uh, like I was talking to him, he goes, you know, I'm going down to Charlotte right now if Logan's there. And he goes, you can you can race in October, you can race in November, you can race January, any basically any month of the year, any state, anywhere you want to go. And he goes, late models are never going away. So I just wanted to get a, a car in a division that literally if I feel like racing and the car's ready, I can go whenever I want or wherever I want.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. And so besides, you know, that, I mean, the payout seems to be reasonable as well like it it actually pays to race where and some of the divisions around here and this isn't a dig at local racing by any means but um there's some divisions where you're gonna pretty much end up empty-handed at the end of the night regardless but whenever it comes to uh, racing crate late models with these rush series touring races i mean you're talking three thousand five thousand ten thousand to win in some instances it definitely makes it a little bit more worthwhile don't you think
3: yeah i mean uh, i i don't even want to get put the cart too far in front of the horse i mean uh there's a lot of good guys in the area like michael norris daryl and well i mean there's so many guys i could go on forever but it's like if i if i ever won one of those races i'd probably die from a heart attack before i could even cash the check but uh yeah it's there's a lot more chance to race big shows and i mean honestly yeah the money's nice but like just the atmosphere of racing a big show that's a lot of coverage and attention that you can get to your sponsors and just people in the stands. It means a lot more than dumping 15, 20 grand into a, into a motor in a car to go out and win 300 bucks. I mean, I think a lot of these brush shows that Vicky and everyone puts together, you get probably twice as much as that just to, sh- just to start. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a really good series and it's not going away anytime soon. So that made the decision a lot easier.
1: What would you say a couple of your goals are going into the 2023 season?
3: Uh, I mean, probably to not look like a fool <laughs> in the late models, because there's a lot of guys that got their stuff together. And it's just, I mean, honestly, if i if I went out there and, I mean, I know a lot of people say it, but I truly mean it. Like if I just put the car on the trailer at the end of the night and had fun and didn't get like freight trained by everybody. And I mean, man, I would love to just, if I could crack off a win, that would be that would be epic. But uh I don't know if it'll be that easy in a late model, but I've won a race every year since two thousand twelve. So if it looks like I might not get one coming towards the end of the year in a late model, I might have to break out that old hobby stock just to try and keep my streak going.
1: Well, we're coming up on uh, time here on our Zoom call, unfortunately. So we're going to go ahead and try to wrap things up here. Uh, anything that we missed before we go ahead and uh, get to the thank yous? No,
3: I think that's it. I'm just looking forward to getting in a late model. Never in my wildest dreams that I ever think I would own one. So I just I'm really looking forward to 2023 with all the help and everyone I got behind me.
1: That's exactly who I want to get to. Uh, people that you would like to thank, your your sponsors, your crew, the people that helped you get you where you are. I think Mike Reft and his crew have brought up quite a few times and, and Ben Laboon as well. So uh, like I said, people that you'd like to thank for getting this to happen for you.
3: I, I got to thank my dad first with, uh, with leaving all the cars at the shop and him helping me out younger in my career when I re- didn't really have money being a Young fifteen year old and all the smashing and crashing I did. He stuck behind me. And so I want to thank him, Keystone Coach Works, uh Brown ability, wedgeco welding, Masles Auto Body, uh AJ Poljack, uh Jefferson Hill's Lawn Equipment, Bobby and Jane Homisky, my mom, my sister, uh that whole Jane J crew with Ben and Mike and Emmy and Dave and uh newbie, uh, Oh geez, the Miley's for keeping the track open because I know it's it's got to be a chore for them. Uh, A lot of my other sponsors, I have so many. I know it's it's just hard to thank all of them. So if I missed any of them, I apologize. But uh, there's there's so many of them.
1: And one last question too, up to this point in your career, I guess this is a, a big transition for you going from, you know, all the racing that you've done to now, this is, you know, this is what they call quote unquote, a big car. And, uh, what would you say your biggest accomplishment is to this point? You've had so many, but what would you say is your biggest?
3: Honestly, I, I I'd definitely be the six championships in a row. Cause I mean, it's one of them things where if you look at all the time and luck and, everything that it takes to keep a program together all year long to stay on top. One year is an accomplishment, let alone six. And it was one of those things where looking back on it now, I didn't really appreciate it as much as I do when you have your struggles. And it's just one of them things where I just, all the luck and the help I had to get six in a row is just second to none. I I never would have imagined in a million years being able to get one, let alone six.
1: Now, what do you think it would take to eclipse that?
3: Oh, jeez. Winning, winning a big touring race in the Rush Late Models would probably top all of that, but with all the guys and the talent and everything out there, I don't know if that would ever happen. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with having a realistic goal of just being thankful for everything I've accomplished up to this date.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Uh, interview here with Stephen Sheltman on Rapid on Racing. We'll look out for Steven in 2023. He's got big plans. He's got good equipment, and uh, he's got talent. Six championships doesn't go unnoted for any reason. So, Stephen, thank you very much for joining us, and good luck in
3: 2023. Thank
0: you. Rapid on, 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 on Racing, the tri-state's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners, recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the eastern United States. Have a great week, and be sure to tune in for another installment of Rapping on Racing. Stand on it, come on y'all, stand on it.